0: Here is Bryce Johnson. And joining us now is
1: Barry Zito, a Cy Young Award winner and two-time World Series champion who pitched primarily for the Oakland A's and San Francisco Giants throughout his Major League Baseball career. After retiring from baseball, Barry settled in Nashville with his wife Amber and their two sons. Zito is a musician and a songwriter and also has a new book out called Curveball. How I Discovered True Fulfillment After Chasing Fortune and Fame. It's a story of overcoming ego, finding purpose, and achieving true success. Barry, thanks for joining us on Unpacking It. How are you? I'm great, Bryce. How are you, man? I'm doing awesome and really glad to have you on the show today. And, and I want to jump right in. And when I think about your, your new book and then you've got an album called No Secrets, you're very open and, and honest. And so why is transparency important to you and and why do you want people to know your story?
2: Well, I mean, to be honest, you know, I kind of was raised, you know, in some ways to make sure that people didn't know the dark stuff and, and to, uh, hide it and kind of sweep it under the rug. And I think there's a lot of shame that can come with that. And, and, uh, you know, eventually it takes you out, man. So, I think accepting our story uh, is a very powerful thing, and so that's what I'm doing here.
1: A- absolutely. So let, let's go back to kind of baseball, and, and, and just in listening to you in other interviews, you talk about how baseball was your foundation. So how important was, was. baseball to you, and, and what was the problem with it becoming your everything and your identity?
2: Yeah, well, growing up, you know, I played baseball like most like most kids, but um, I just never had a foundation, meaning, you know, something that was more important than baseball. And, and of course, family was more important than all that. But really what I received from, you know, being in the backyard with my father, working hard every day to get to the you know, major leagues. I just I felt like it was the only thing that mattered. Uh, and, and ultimately, you know, wins and losses were defining me, even in high school. And um, that was something that ended up giving me a ton of problems later in life.
1: And and so you you make it to you know really the, the the height of your position and and in baseball and and so at that that height, what were you experiencing?
2: You know, at the height of success, I mean, when when things were great, um, I was kind of buying into the lie that I was really a, this important guy and that people you know really cared about me and thought about me every night before they went to sleep. And, you know, of course, I thought I was the first things on people's minds when they woke up. And, um, and you know, that's an easy thing to do, again, when there's nothing that's more important. And uh, I, I didn't have a lot of perspective on the game at that time in my life.
1: What about from the, the, the role that fans played in your life? Like what kind of impacted their perspectives and their views? How did that affect you?
2: Yeah, well, it's funny because growing up, you know, my father and I were working in the backyard all the time. And even though he didn't mean for me to interpret it this way, I ended up interpreting, you know, that his love and approval was only based on my performance in the game. Mm. And so what happened is when I got to the big leagues, I started to perform again for approval of those around me. Uh, And it wasn't my father, of course, but it was the fans and, and the people in the Bay Area and so if if people were thinking well of me, then I felt like I was doing okay. And you know, if they weren't, then I felt like I had to try to do whatever I could to change people's minds.
1: Barry Zito, our guest right now on Unpacking It. Cy Young award winner and an author of the book Curveball, How I Discover True Fulfillment After Chasing Fortune and Fame. And and so, all right, so you've got the the, the fans, you're you, you sign a huge contract, you're you're playing with the 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 Giants and at what point did things kind of shift from enjoying the the fortune and fame to now realizing that that wasn't fulfilling
2: yeah i mean I think I think, like I said, I didn't have a lot of perspective um, on the game itself you know it, it wasn't kind of the old accolade you know do your best and you know be process oriented let results go i mean ultimately that's the great way to live life but for me, baseball was something I took very seriously, too seriously. And so when I went to San Francisco, you know, and signed this biggest contract ever for a pitcher at the time, you know, I was like, it went from being very serious to like, as serious as it could possibly get. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I started pitching to to validate the, the contract to justify, you know, that I was worth it. And, and more than anything, I just wanted people to think well about me um, like I had all those years and, you know, now I was on a much bigger stage, and and of course, when you're putting that much pressure on yourself, you really aren't relaxed on the mound, and and I certainly wasn't, and uh, and just dreading really every five days because it, it felt like going to the mound was kind of a, a death sentence every five days, and it's just crazy how you know fear can do that to you.
1: Gosh, Barry Zito, our guest right now on unpacking it, take me into the time where you recognized that okay, you're you're injured, you're empty you're you're facing the uncertainty of your your career this seemed to be a a very defining moment so so describe what what that was like for you uh for our listeners
2: yeah so i you know i I had four pretty bad years with the giants after signing this contract and it was a seven-year deal and after the fourth season i ended up getting left off the playoff roster you know while the team went on and, and played in the playoffs and eventually won the world series and You know, I was not hurt at that point. I'd actually never missed a game from an injury up to that point. So I just really, I was kind of like on the mental disabled list. You know, Mm. again, I was pitching with fear. I didn't want to be out there. I was scared to lose all day long. And, you know, and I watched my team win this World Series. And so, you know, I went home to L.A. after that, just a broken man. And and I really questioned, you know, my worldview or, or the lack thereof. And, uh, I actually checked myself into a 12 step program for, um, for codependency. And, you know, again, just being obsessed with other people, trying to change what they thought about me. That's what that coda is. And step two was, you know, willing to admit there's a power greater than me that can restore me my sanity. And, uh, you know, I was never willing to humble myself, had never really been humbled to that point Mm -hmm. in my life. And, uh, and finally I was on my knees and and ready to admit that I was not the God of my own life.
1: Wow. And so it's a, a difficult place to be but what a wonderful place to be and so let, let's let's turn the, the corner as far as the story gets gets great and and so you, you begin this this search and and ultimately you know you're you're searching for God so so what was at this moment you know what was your understanding of of who God was so you say okay there's a higher power what did you realize at that point point? and then ultimately how did you recognize who the God of the Bible is
2: Yeah, well, you know, in my life, my childhood, my family never had, you know, um, kind of a a true God, uh, you know, as far as a a divine presence that had a plan for their lives. And so uh, it was more, you know, uh, it was a very new age principle, which is, you know, we kind of decide what's going to happen in our own lives for ourselves. And, And, you know, so I was kind of taught to be my own God in a lot of ways. And so when I was really at rock bottom, you know, after this World Series, I needed a god that was greater than my own mind, greater than my own willpower, greater than my own, you know, self-control or lack thereof. And uh so my wife actually who I was dating at the time, you know, she she saw me surrounded with these self-help books and she said, "I need you to lock these books up and you just need to read one book." And she handed me a Bible, and I'd never really cracked a Bible before that. I mean, oh. maybe a couple times, but I didn't really know what was going on in there. And, and that was really the seed that led to me coming to Christ about, you know, six months later, um, you know, with the Giants team chaplain.
1: Wow. So, okay. So then, yeah, take us into that conversation with with the chaplain and we're talking with Barry Zito here on Unpacking It.
2: So, you know, the idea that that I was not going to earn it, you know, and, and I was a hard worker, right? I have a great work ethic. So I, I was like, you know, if there's something out there, I will figure it out. I will get there. You know, I'm a kind of a cerebral guy you know, through the years, I tried all these spiritual practices and religions, and, and I just always came up empty. And then I heard the gospel that I was loved, you know, regardless of what I do, that I actually can't earn it. And I was like, whoa, that's flipping the script. Wow. <laughs> you know, you know, every other theology, uh, at least the major ones, you know, are that we need to get to God through works. And Christianity is the only one where <laughs> not only do we not need to, we can't, and that God actually is trying to get to us and we just have to let him in. And, and that for me was a transformational difference.
1: Oh my goodness. It's powerful. Barry Zito here on unpacking it. And so I want to hear how, how Jesus has, has changed your life, you know, since then. Uh, but, but first up, how did Jesus end up changing your perspective on baseball? So so how did your career change at that point and how you viewed it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, I mean, it was an overnight change, but it also wasn't, you know, I, I now had the Holy Spirit. I had this helper, you know, the great comforter, as they call it in the Bible. And, you know, that, that I could turn to for guidance and for perspective when I didn't have my own in my mind. And um, and so baseball did change. It It was able to become a game again, something that I was grateful to play, something that I was not entitled to succeed at. And, you know, that led to me just really pitching for God, you know, the rest of my career. And, you know had some downs had some ups and you know but i was able to to have a major um highlight in helping the giants win in 2012 you know helping them win the world series and and actually being on the field for that world series and having some great games and ultimately not pitching for redemption or for approval um but really just trying to honor god with the gifts he gave me and and that led to you know me basically being able to show my face in san francisco again and and get invited and get, getting invited back to to the stadium with other great Giants players. I mean, it's truly a miracle that you know that was able to happen after all the years of that contract.
1: No, it's it's incredible. And so you, you win the World Series, and you know we hear about oh man, teams and players that that accomplish the, the the highest goal in in their sport. And and so your understanding of fulfillment. So here you 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 meet Jesus, you begin following Jesus. You're playing baseball with with more freedom. You're playing for Him, and you end up winning the World Series. So how did that, I guess, how, how did all that come together as far as your understanding of fulfillment and knowing that, okay, the World Series isn't the ultimate, but I'm able to enjoy it with with this new perspective?
2: Yeah, I really got to enjoy it for what it was, which was just a true blessing, something that I actually didn't deserve, you know? Right. And, and whereas before, Jesus, I would have looked at, wow, the World Series means I'm immortalized, and... You know, life will never be bad again. I mean, I'm a World (laughs) Series champ and and putting all my value in worldly things. Right. Which we're certainly told not to. But, you know, and then I just really was I was so grateful, you know, and I never felt gratitude before in my life, you know, before Jesus. I I was always entitled. And so I got to go, man, I don't know what's going to happen next year, but this is incredibly fun. And, you know, my next year actually wasn't good. I mean, I, I pitched poorly. I got sent to the bullpen. And that was my last year with the Giants, but I came home after even after the bad games with contentment because i 'm like I did everything I could today, and for whatever reason it didn 't work out, and i 'm totally okay with that and, and that was nothing I could ever say you know earlier in my career
1: Barry Sito, our guest right now on unpacking it and and so to to even go beyond baseball you, you mentioned the word contentment in, in your your new book. Uh, it is called Curveball, How I Discover True Fulfillment After Chasing Fortune and Fame. So the, the word fulfillment, the, the word contentment, what does that really mean to you? And, and, and even the word satisfaction, how does that play out even today in, in your life?
2: When I think about fulfillment now, I think of something that's lasting. I think that some, of something that's sustainable. Um, you know, it's like you can get, you know, the next coolest car, the next coolest pair of shoes, whatever, and you're going to get that little spike, you know, whether it's a week or a month or a year, but eventually you'll be back to baseline. And so for me, the fulfillment is is Jesus. It's something that's not of this world. It's something that I don't have to earn and don't have to work for. And, you know, greater than that, it's something that transforms me into a better person, you know, more and more over the years.
1: Barry Zito, the new book is called Curveball. And, and you also talk about finding purpose. So, so what does that mean to you? And, and, and what do you feel like your purpose is at, at this point in your life?
2: Well, I think for me, you know, it's, it's about not trusting my own mind. It's not trusting my own intellect. It's, hmm. it's just, it's giving, you know, giving credence to the Holy Spirit and letting the Holy Spirit guide me. And, And, you know, it's kind of a team effort now, you know, and I always have this teammate where I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this, but I don't know if it's a good decision. Let me let me sit here and kind of just be still and and listen, you know, and so like I'm doing music in Nashville. It's so fun and I want to do great things in music, but who knows, maybe none of it will ever happen. And so, you know, and and I have to be happy just having a great time and being enjoyed doing that. And if, you know, the Holy Spirit calls me to something new, then I'm going to have to walk away from the guitar and, and do whatever that is, you know.
1: So, yeah. So you mentioned, though, the, the, the music career and you're all in and you're, you're living in Nashville and you have an album out and, and you've got a great voice. I enjoy listening. And, and so I'm curious, what, what was your relationship to music growing up while playing and then ultimately to, to how it led you to, to where you're at in your, your career right now? Yeah, my family
2: actually was very musical. My father was a conductor for Nat King Cole uh, in the 50s and 60s, and my mother was a singer, and that's where they met. And so, um, music was kind of my first love in a lot of ways. But the funny thing is my father actually didn't want me going into music cause he told me I would never make a living. <laughs> so, uh, Man. he told me to master, master three pitches, <laughs> oh. you know, master three pitches and they'll find you even if you're, you know, in a cornfield in the middle of Iowa oh. versus, you know, having to get the right machinery and a record label and all that. So that was, that was good advice.
1: Gosh. So you, so you end up pursuing baseball first, but then you find yourself back into music, You're you're, you're first love but you you kept up with it even while you were playing right
2: I did yeah I started playing guitar when I was 21 right when I signed with the A's um I was a uh, I went in the draft at USC that year and so I was never a golf guy or a video game guy you know so I always just knew I needed something to keep me sane on the road and you know so I started writing songs and doing all that and you know now I'm having a blast getting into music production and you know just just loving being kind of a in my lab every day in my studio, just learning and making music, man.
1: <laughs> what What are the similarities between the the mindset for, for pitching and music? Is there any... Uh, what, what can you take from your baseball career that, that I guess you add to now your, your musical career? You
2: know, I, I think the biggest takeaway is to have a looser grip on my goals and dreams, hmm. and, and I know I don't want that to sound like I'm not having goals and dreams, but I do have them, but at, at any moment, something traumatic can happen, right? And, and maybe that's not going to happen for me. It's, it's not going to stop how hard I'm working or how dedicated I am, but it is going to stop me obsessing that it needs to be this in order for me to enjoy it, uh, whereas I can, you know, come sit at the keyboard and, and enjoy a day, you know, tweaking knobs on a synthesizer, regardless <laughs> of if anyone ever hears it.
1: Uh, that's cool. Barry Zito, our guest right now on Unpacking It, uh, Cy Young Award winner, two-time World Series champion. Now he's a, a musician, and he's got a new book called Curveball: How I Discovered True Fulfillment After Chasing Fortune and Fame. And so, when did you realize that you had the ability to write? So, not only have you written a book, but you, you write songs and you, you co-write with other people and artists in uh, in Nashville. So, how did you recognize that? And, and how fun is it for you to write?
2: Yeah, writing has been great. You know, I, I didn't I didn't write too many songs playing ball. I wrote a bunch of you know pieces of songs, but. After retiring in Nashville, you know, I started to co-write for two and a half years and, and, you know, co-wrote some of those songs on that record and and just really enjoyed the craft of songwriting, you know, because ultimately coming from a jazz background, you know, it was all about melody and harmony and, and rhythm. And, uh, and so now I'm able to incorporate kind of both sides, you know, what, what really comes naturally is the music, but also the writing and the idea is to kind of do both now and and make the songs myself. And it's just, it's a big goal, but you know, I think it might happen one day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so where do you find your, your inspiration and, and how, you know how much of your story is coming out in in songs, and and how much of your your faith and, and wanting to you know get the message of the gospel out in into your music. What's kind of your approach to that?
2: Yeah, my approach is like you know I love kind of hinting at some things, you know, singing songs that don't punch you right in the face with maybe the content, but talking about it in a way that someone can interpret it for themselves. But also, you know, the story is still very plain and very true and, and strong. So for me. I mean, I, I certainly plan on writing, getting back into writing full time after I'm learning these production things and and really telling my story, you know, completely with all the lessons I've learned about God and and you know through adversity and and things that hopefully are relatable to other people.
1: Oh, no question. And and so as you do share your story and and as this book has has come out and and you've you know done interviews on on different shows and and all that sort of thing, what's it what's it been like as far as the, the people's response to the new Barry Zito, maybe who they thought you were as a player or, you know, any preconceived ideas that they had and, and really who you were before Christ, knowing that Barry Zito versus now and and you not necessarily being caught up in what people think of you, but it's, it's neat to hear the transformation. And, and so what has that been like from whether it's former teammates or, or media members or fans, what, what's the experience been like? Yeah. I mean, I think that people, uh,
2: you know, people have, commended me on the honesty, I guess, of the book. And, you know, I made a painful admission that I, you know, rooted against my own team, you know, when they were winning the world series and I was watching them, you know, and, and, and I think I put it in a context that made sense. You know, when you take that statement in isolation, it can become inflammatory. But the reality is, I think a lot of us, you know, when we're led by the ego, you know, if we didn't make the position and someone else did, you know, we want to validate our ego by hoping that person fails. And so, you know things like that. People have just said, "Man, that took a lot of courage to do that." And you know, in reality, I feel the same way, Barry. You know, and and you you said it. You know, and that's pretty cool. And so, I, I think there's a the power and a strength and vulnerability.
1: Yeah, and and just as as we even relate to it ourselves, I mean, we all battle the the ego, and so as you you know a professional baseball player and world series winner and all that, you know, that's a, a, a different level, but ultimately all of us wake up each day and it's either about me or it's about others and it's about Jesus. So what's your encouragement to, to people listening today, just the concept of self and ego and and what you've learned to to, to just the, the daily understanding of humility and surrender?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean listen, I mean I, I, I think there's a difference when somebody doesn't have enough money to eat or they don't have enough money to, to afford clothes or to, you know, be able to get to work or to get around, you know, and certainly you can't sit there and tell those people, Hey man, it's, there's no fulfillment in that because I mean, that, that's significantly changing your life. But I feel like once our basic needs are met, you know, and then we just crave more and more. I mean, we just have to ask ourselves, have we ever been truly satisfied with that next thing that we swore we needed? You know, and and for me, I mean, I drove all the sports cars you can imagine, and dated the girls in Hollywood that I thought, you know, and ultimately I was coming up empty every time, and so I realized the problem was I was looking, you know, horizontally uh, yeah. out in the world for this thing instead of instead of inside, you know, and, and and Jesus really was that for me.
1: Amen, amen. I'm I'm right there with you, Barry Zito, our guest right now, on unpacking it, and and kind of the, the final question. What what about just uh, maybe recently, or what's God doing in your life right now? You 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 wrote this book, Curveball, and and talked about your story and and kind of the the transformation. But but what about recently, just kind of fresh things yeah. that, that are on your heart?
2: On, on that on that side, you know, it's there's a group out here in Nashville called Search and you know, what search does, they, they've, they you know, they brought me in and just started talking to me and I started getting educated about really what is Christianity, you know? Mm. And and what I realized is that there, there's so many people that are curious about certain things, but they've just never been in an environment that was conducive to asking questions or to challenging things in the Bible, you know? And so what we do is we get into a big old group of guys and we sit around and, you know, we got Christians, Muslims, atheists, you know, Jewish people. We all just sit around and talk about So what's really happening, man? How do we address these problems with our, you know, with our lives? You know, like bad things happening to good people and. You know, what, what's all this stuff about? And so, you know, I'm able to now interact with people from all walks of life, coming from backgrounds a lot similar to my spiritual background, and, and really have the real conversations.
1: That, that's really cool. Those are powerful conversations. And, and, yeah, search is a great ministry we've got here in Charlotte as well. Well, Barry, man, I really appreciate your honesty and transparency and just the encouragement uh, that you brought to the show today. And I encourage everybody to check out the, the book. It's called Curveball. How I Discovered True Fulfillment After Chasing Fortune and Fame, a story of overcoming ego, finding purpose, and achieving true success. You can also check out BarryZitoMusic.com. Barry, really appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for being on Unpacking It.
0: Absolutely, Bryce. Have a good one, man. For more information about the show, our events and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's unpackinit.com. That's u n p a c k i n i t.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackinit.com/donate.